503 here in San Francisco, streaming away from Silicon Valley. We'll be a Holocene for a bit live, episode 307. We're smashing it. Today on the show, Sam Stubbs, CEO of uh, Simplicity. We've got some young bucks coming up, business in a minute. We're going to be talking to Peter Dunn, the former United First Leader. Also, Hayley Horan, who's running the show now at Microsoft, helping more Kiwi businesses do better. So, if, extremely excited about that. I hope your week's went has been well. I hope you're smashing away with the Santa. Big long weekend. Everyone's basically tapped out for the short week. They're milking as much holiday as they can getting it through. And uh, once again, on the Saturday, I'm joined by the lovely EP, Weapon Extraordinaire. His name is TT. How are you, my friend? Yeah, good, mate. You're just talking about people having a break. I'm one of those people, you know, buggering off for a few weeks. You're about to tap out. I, I'm very excited for you. You've been working ex- insanely, ridiculously hard over these last uh, couple of months getting uh, Today FM up and rolling. And I'm excited for your breakaway. Yeah. So, uh, where are you going? Are you going to leave Auckland? I, I don't have any hard plans yet. I'm going to play a lot of golf. That's that's yes. my first thing. Probably try play around a day for the first week and then get sick of it. Other than that, might do a bit of camping. Um, you know what? It's it's totally up to me and I'm going to make that decision at another time. Hey, TT, you do you, dog. You do you. Uh, if you want to text through to me or call so we can have a quick little corridor, uh, basically you text through to 3920 with anything you'd like to say and uh, you can call through on 0800 Today FM. Question for the day. Hmm... Uh, actually, let's do this. Don was doing it before about being grateful. What are you most grateful this long weekend? Fano, friends, whatever it is, where are you? What's going on? Text through to 3920. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be coming up with our first interview right about now. We're bet live. Nothing like some Duroc Wilder. Method Man Redman to kick off the Saturday. I mean, I understand that, you know, we're going for the nice cool thing, but it's time to ramp it up. We're going to be uh, getting into the mix here with uh, Sam Stubbs, who is the CEO and founder of Simplicity. Uh, are you there, my friend? How are you, brother? G'day. I'm good, man. How are you? Let's go. I'm super, super excited for the conversation. How's the long weekend going so far? Where are you and what's bubbling away? Man, I'm in Auckland, uh, and I'm taking a break from gardening, so it's not the most exciting weekend, but, uh, yeah, it's good good, good for me, man. Good for me. I, I get it, I get it. Um, you know, I've got a little, little note here talking about, you know, one of the things, if, if any of you are listening who are uh, involved with a website called LinkedIn, which is a professional platform, Sam Stubbs is one of the leading voices in there and one of the charges in this new world of finance and also being able to use commerce for good. So maybe we can um, kick off a little bit here as, you know, recently you were talking about um, the next 30 years of New Zealand, how it's going to be, you know, the best and potentially greatest thing ever. So in a nutshell, Sam, why? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start there. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, in, in, in 100 words or less, right, Look at what happened in Australia, right, uh, back in the 1980s when they started saving in their superannuation uh, funds. They now have $3 trillion saved, and the money was just coming in every week, yeah, in fact, every day, tick, tick, tick. And that rising tide of money transformed Australia. You know, even though they were a boom, they were previously a boom-bust commodity country, you know, iron ore and gas and that, and they were swinging around on, on the price of commodities. Australia has didn't have, until COVID, hadn't had a recession in 26 years. And the reason was because that just so much money arriving in the economy to invest it in the economy and startups and infrastructure and all that good stuff. That's just starting to happen in New Zealand now. You know, KiwiSaver was zero 13 years ago. It's now almost 100 billion. 
and the money just keeps on arriving. I think Kiwis are sort of investing at least $10 million a day now into KiwiSaver, and then you get the gains from the, you know, the market returns. It just ends up being this rising tide of money. So we go from being capital poor, you know, where everything's owned by the foreigners, to being capital rich where we're investing in our own hood and funding our own companies. And so history tells you that we're about to go into a very, very positive time because, you know, as you know, Rebecca, the problems of having too much money are way better than the problems of having too little, right? Yeah, mate, you came from Wall Street. You know more about the problems of having too, too much money. I came from, I don't know, crisis, mate. I'm still trying to, you know, scrap away doing my thing. But I am interested in asking this, Sam. So you're looking at, if we're looking at basically if it's copy-paste the formula of the time horizon of what's happened in Australia, how far behind do you think New Zealand is or are we about to hit the cycle up of, you know, the classic hockey stick three-year financial projections on an investment deck? Like, where do you think we are in the cycle and how do you think this plays out? Yeah. Well, here's the thing is I don't think it'll be a hockey stick. I think just it'll be a long, consistent underpinning of growth. So if you look at the amount of money that gets saved in KiwiSaver, i just use one economist term for you. It's about 2.3% of GDP is what we save every every year. Now, that is, we haven't done that before in our history. Right? This, is, so this is an unprecedented amount of saving going on, but it's just going to happen every week. So I don't think that you'll see any you know, tidal wave of change. But I think you'll look back and you'll say, wow, that was actually a little bit better than I thought, a little bit better than I thought. And we've actually seen that during COVID, and we saw it before COVID, where people were, you know, quote, surprised by the strength of the economy. Well, that's not a surprise to me at all. That's what happens when you actually start saving and investing, which is what the country's now doing, you know, large scale. Because previously, the only saving and investing we've done is in, is in rental houses, right, residential housing. Well, now there's this thing called KiwiSaver. Oh, well, look, I'll give you an example, right? We fund 61 startups in New Zealand now. These are companies that wouldn't have got money from KiwiSaver because it didn't exist 13 years ago. They would have had to go and cap in hand over over to your your part of the world right now. Or, you know, basically they tap out all their friends and family. Suddenly a lot more money is available for high-growth companies in New Zealand funded by New Zealanders. So there's a whole lot of like good stuff. There will be no earthquake. There'll be no magic moment. There'll be no aha, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, time here. But people will actually just start noticing things getting a little bit better, and that's going to happen for a very long period of time. It's really, really cool. So, in in terms of the investment strategy, when these, this cash comes through, how has the headspace shifted in terms of the at the board level, the C suite level, in terms of diversification, where all this capital starts to get deployed? Like, how do yeah. you feel the the, the the I guess the thought process or the potential risk appetite and going potentially into you know these text players whatever how's the headspace been yeah. in leadership with with money in this last little bit or how do you think it's changing? Well, look, look, I, I think in the tech space and the startup space you've started to see a, a lot more domestic money, right? You know, tech startups don't have a problem raising money in New Zealand if it's a good idea, whereas you know five or ten years ago they had a lot of problems. So I think that's okay. That's a relatively small amount of money when you think of it in the context of the hundreds of billions of dollars in, in, in KiwiSaver. The real problem here, Rebecca, and this is where government's got to step in, is that we can't put any money into infrastructure. And so right now, of the average dollar invested in KiwiSaver and say a, a sort of a balance or growth fund, about 70% of that gets invested offshore. And part of that reason is there's not enough to invest in locally here. The stock market's quite small. Tech companies only need so much money. There's no big infrastructure place. You know, we, we can't go and sort of fund the building of, you know, roads or power transmission grids or water or anything like that. So the government needs to do a, a, a shift in perception, which is to say that 
just because you're selling it to somebody, it doesn't mean you can't sell it to somebody good. And so mm-hmm. domestic investors, KiwiSaver funds could end up actually funding a lot of this, like they do in Singapore, like they do in Australia. But we've sort of inherited this thing that, you know, if you sell it in the market, you're selling it to foreigners and we're selling the family silver and all those sorts of attitudes. And a bunch of that is true. But now we have the opportunity to invest in the, in, in, in the hood in scale via KiwiSaver. But you need to change perceptions a little bit about that. You know, KiwiSaver managers are going to want to do it. And I know they mm-hmm. do because we do. The others will follow suit. Governments have got to realise that that money is is great money to partner with. That'll take a while. That'll take a while, but it, it will happen because it's just so much money. So you thinking that seventy percent going offshore in terms of those investments that are consolidated up are going to flip and then ideally try and get localised? Is is there is the is a do you think there's going to be enough bravery to sort of switch that, or or do you think it's going to sort of stay like that for a little while? Or you know where do you think the best sort of opportunities oh, are next going to be in the next ten? Like how's yeah. your headspace there? Yeah. Yeah, look, look, you know, um, nothing, nothing happens in a hurry when it comes to, to big money, right? So, so it, it, it will take a while, but, but I think it will happen. I mean, if you look at Australia, about 50% of their superannuation funds is invested in Australia. And I mean, to put that into context, it's one and a half trillion dollars is 50% of it, like one and a half thousand billion dollars. It's an astronomical sum of money. And if you go to a city like Brisbane, which is the same population as Auckland or close as, you'll see in Brisbane, the roads are wider, the buildings are taller, the infrastructure is just a lot better. And an awful lot of that has been funded by superannuation funds. Now, the government, and this government doesn't like the idea that they think that they can afford to do it all themselves. And God bless them, maybe they can do. But subsequent governments are going to find, I think, that the, the demand for infrastructure will out, out, outstrip their ability to supply it from tax revenue. You know, they won't be able to do it themselves. So they'll start looking for alternative sources of money. And when you look around, KiwiSaver is about as good as it gets, right? You know, the amazing thing about KiwiSaver is it's all New Zealanders money. There is not a dollar of foreign money in KiwiSaver. Right? It's all Kiwis uh, savings. So it's a very large very depoliticized, very friendly long-term pool of money. So it'll happen, mm-hmm. mate, but it's just it's just it's just going to take time, but you know, that's fine because sometimes good things take time. Now, in terms of the size of the fund, obviously it's been growing and growing. Where's it currently sitting right now and and where's most of the attention in terms of simplicity sort of heading in the next 24 months? Yeah, well, look, we're at four and a half billion dollars now. We were sort of zero five years ago, so growing really, really quickly now. Um, what we're interested in is actually trying to use that money for good. So we're doing things like offering, you know, the lowest first home mortgage, well, very, very low rates, if, if not the lowest uh, in, in, in the country. And the other thing we're getting really excited about, Rebecca, is affordable housing. Because, you know, there's a housing crisis in this country. There's billions of dollars of KiwiSaver money that could help um, change that. And so what we're doing now is we're getting into what we call the, 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 the large-scale build-to-rent market. So we're buying land building um, homes and apartments for rent very long term so so that you can have long-term rental as an option instead of owning or the the real problem you have with short-term rental agreements. So overseas, this is very common. Pension funds and KiwiSaver funds, superannuation funds will typically own lots of houses and rent them very long-term. We're looking to do long-term affordable rents um, and, 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 you know, and do it do it in scale. So there's some exciting stuff to invest in. You kind of have to invent it yourself. You know, we're the, I think we're the first, super, uh, first KiwiSaver fund doing this in any sort of scale. 
but it's not a new idea. It's just new to New Zealand. It's very well proven overseas. So those sorts of things really start to excite us. And also, you know, we've committed $100 million into tech and startup uh, companies in New Zealand, and we're going through the process of investing in that now. And, you know, there's, there's some amazing companies out there. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very optimistic about New Zealand, not only because of the amount of money coming in from KiwiSaver, but also the, 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 the type of companies that are setting up here. I mean, they are, some of them are just mm-hmm. incredible. It's yeah. so awesome and epic to see. But before we go, I want to ask you this. Now, you have, um, you know, you've almost had sort of two lives, right? Like you've had a, pr- a previous life, you know, doing, doing the big money thing, and now you've kind of flipped at the other side. You've got this amazing, you know, company that's now, you know, four point five billion fund. You're giving away all this money. You're kind of this massive sort of give back pull piece, and you know, fifty, seventy, eighty years, you know, we'll probably both be gone burgers. How do you feel or what do you think about in terms of like impact and legacy for the almost this new vehicle of good money that's going to create for New Zealand? How do you think about, I guess, legacy a little bit? Oh, in terms yeah, of yeah. That feeling like where's your head at with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So so simplicity is absolutely not me. It's, there were four founders, four of us who founded it, and there are now, you know, 24 staff and six, 65 volunteers. But we designed it to last well over 100 years. So we make it owned by a charity, so charity owns a non-profit company, and that does everything. And the great thing about that, Rebecca, is that like because it's a non-profit company, it'll never make a dollar, right? Because it never makes a dollar, a dollar profit for itself. It'll make lots of money for members, but never for itself. Because it, it doesn't make a dollar, it won't be worth a dollar. And if it's not worth a dollar, it won't be bought or sold, so, ever. So it's designed to last intergenerationally, pretty much like, you know, across and medical Medical insurance, well, it's been around for 75 years. It has massive market share. It has a huge competitive advantage. So we're very much copying that model. So if you thought about us as sort of the, the Southern Cross of finance, you wouldn't go too far. But, you know, the most important thing about that, mate, is that is, is that, that, that is designed to completely outlive me. I'm just going to be a, a small cog in what will hopefully be a, a very successful and, and large business over time which will just make lots and lots of New Zealanders a lot wealthier and that will give them the options and, and dignity in life that they, they should have. I love it, man. It's it's super cool seeing the, I guess, you know, chestnut checkers playing the intergenerational game. And, you know, when you've got enough leverage now, exactly to what we talked about, you know, plenty of times before is, you know, when that number starts to get over a billion, and two billion, and three billion, now you're at 4.5, you know, you start to have a bit more weight in terms of the impact of the type of plays that you start to do. So it's, um, I really appreciate your time jumping on. I know you're a very busy man. I'll let you get back to your gardening. And um, when I get back, we'll be catching up for sure, man. But I uh, really appreciate your time, Sam. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Sure, brother. That was Sam Stubbs, CEO and founder at uh, Simplicity. He was an amazing, good human, doing great things. And if you ha- don't follow him on LinkedIn, I 150,000% uh, think that you should because he's one of probably the only ones in New Zealand to be brave enough to genuinely put well-articulated thoughts in terms of the New Zealand, the, the economy, all sorts of money matters and bits and pieces. And for someone like myself, who, you know, failed high school, couldn't get into university, but I, I'm very passionate about these type of things. I, I learn a lot just through um, um, being able to read and see what he's up to there. So big, big props to the bro Sam Stubbs for jumping on. Uh, this is Today uh, FM, Rebet Live, episode 307. See you in a sec. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today so FM. All right, rolling and polling. It is Saturday. I hope you're having fun. 12.20 in Aotearoa, 5.20 
here in San Francisco in 1020 AM in Sydney. Uh, it's Friday here after five. I've uh, had a pretty awesome day. I hope you're also having as well. If you've got any um, you know, feedback from the Sam Stubbs thing, any thoughts on the future of the economy with where these you know big macro investments should be going, uh, feel free to text me 3920. I've got a fancy little screen in front of me. It shows me uh, what's popping up there, and I can see what you're saying, and then I can read it out, and then you can tell your mates that you're on the radio. Uh, next up, Young Bucks. What is Young Buck? Each year, and I've got these little sayings and these words. Young Buck is basically a, a future weapon of goodness for New Zealand business that's going to help create and do good things. And so each week, I like to uh, spend a bit of time to talk to, to some of these Young Bucks, these future leaders, these future business champions, these um, you know great Kiwis that are going to be doing good things in the world of commerce and business. And today, I'm extremely excited to be talking to Lambrini Phillips. How are you, Lambrini? Good, I'm good. How about you? Rock and rolling. So you're the young book for the week, and you're the founder of Wedo Mai. Now this is an educational board game, help to uh, help pe- helping people to learn Te Reo Māori, which is super cool. I'm just starting my journey on that, doing my little one-to-one lessons. We've got a little thing we're doing there because I felt bad that I can speak more Japanese right now than I can uh, can Māori. So it was very cool. So let's start off with whereabouts do you live, and how old are you? Um, so I live in Wellington. Wellington CBD, born and bred here my whole life, um, and I'm 20 years old. Very exciting. So let's talk about this. Um, where do I? Where did the idea come from? What was the genesis, and what's been the journey so far to date? Um, so it pretty much started in 2019. Um, I took part in the Lion Foundation Young Enterprise Scheme, um, and we were at this big Kickstarter event, and we had probably about 10 different ideas about starting a company. Um, focused on environmental sustainability and we thought it's not quite it we're not really satisfied with all these ideas Um, and we had a few speed coaches come around and you know talk to us and we ended up scratching all of them and we found this one statistic and it was that 3.7% of Kiwis can speak fluently or Māori we were quite gobsmacked by that statistic and we thought why is it so low and it's because people were quite scared um, to learn a new language, um, they're scared to pronounce things wrong because they feel like they'll get backlash. So we thought it would create a fun educational board game for people to actually learn to deal Māori and feel comfortable with one another by learning the language. So, so how does the how does the game work? Um, so we've got four different genres. So um, there might be place names or flora and fauna sort of scenarios, um, and. You, it's kind of like a monopoly board because we found that it's one of the most um, popular board games out there. So we thought that if we create something with a similar layout, people are going to be a bit more familiar with it. So they go around the board um, and when they land on an icon, they pick up a card um, from that genre. And the objective of the game is to win three cards per genre. But there's a few little hiccups there. So there's a tanifa, um, so you might have to stay in the tanifa for a session or for a round depending on what one you land on. So so design-wise, you obviously, you know, crafted up what you think, like you've used the sort of the template copy-based model of, of what's worked in terms of the gamification of uh, Monopoly. What's the what's the feedback been so far to the game? Like how, you know, obviously the goal is to, to gamify it, to make it more fun instead of fearful to sort of engage with. What, what's the feedback been like? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been fantastic. When we first set out in 2019, we went into quite a few primary and intermediate and college schools. Um, we ended up playing it with the students. They loved playing the game. It's, you know, it can range from five plus onwards, really. It depends on your knowledge of Te Reo Māori. Um, and girls wanted to implement one in every classroom, which was fantastic. 
Um, and then we also went out to different corporate organizations and we would go to their Friday night drinks and, you know, they want to have a fun activity while they're having their drinks every Friday. So, yeah, we played that with them and they bought a whole heaps for like one for every floor. So it was great. Is this the first uh, business that you've started? Is, or is this your, you know, your, your serial entrepreneur getting in there trying to start these businesses? How's your, uh, your, your business journey been? Oh, it's been great. Wet on my has been my first business, but um, I do, since I had such an amazing journey in the Young Enterprise Scheme, it really um, inspired me to actually go out and help other rangatahi out there, you know, starting a business, giving them support. It's just so, you know, fulfilling to see that excitement in other students as well. So how do you, what do you think the, the, the game, what's the current strategic vision for you know future expansion and execution for the, the game of of game of Wiramai? um so we are looking there's only now two of us in the group you know the other people from college they all decided to do their own thing um but we've both got you know a full-time job in university so in between that time it's just kind of like right this is a bit of a on the side business and we're just going to continue selling them out but we'd love to end up getting them into Whitcalls, Farmers, the Warehouse and stuff so then there's actually a bit of a more of a national platform out there and hopefully getting out to those X-Facts. We've already sold a few out to the UK, Netherlands um, and Australia but we'd really like to you know, implement a bit more into a lot more countries out there. So talking about the, the brand and marketing side of things, from you know, plenty of the listeners here are obviously a lot older than the age of 20. Uh, what's been the current, I guess, marketing strategy for how you're looking to expand the business and actually try and generate sales? And how is it, you know, is it bricks and mortar? Is it all direct to consumer on, on like an e-commerce platform? Like talk me through how you're currently um, selling the marketing sort of mechanics behind it. Um, so we do a lot of direct sales by like school emails and things. That is have that's been our like first one that we've really been doing um, recently. So it's just more like emailing the schools out because they obviously want one in every classroom, right? So that's our first initial one that we go there. But then we're also marketing it online on our social media um, and things like that too. So then we can get more of a platform out there. If uh, you're a business that's a small business that's running, you're a solopreneur or entrepreneur, or you know you're running a small little team, do you have any uh, email tips on how you're potentially commercializing and selling products using email in 2022? Anything, any little tips and tricks or anything, platforms and bits and pieces you're using that you're finding pretty useful and helpful? Um, it's just to keep it short and sharp, really. Like we don't want to. I think you know, for us, we just don't really want a long paragraph that's like right please play this and you know you can win this it's just like right we've got these solving this issue you need to buy this and it's just short and sharp and I think that's the real key to you know us selling a lot of games and and finally before we go um, I'm interested to ask you obviously you got passion about culture with um, you know the language to sort of grow why do you think it's important for Kiwis to to learn to do Well, we live here, you know, and when tourists come, you know, it's just they ask us how to pronounce things and sometimes you just hear people mispronounce the places that we live in themselves. Um, And, you know, it's really important that we learn our own language where the people, you know, walk through our ancestors. It's really important um, and it's not that hard to learn, you know. If you mispronounce it once or twice or three times, it's not bad you know as long as you're trying and you're willing to learn that's the main thing i think 
No, I love it. So if you're listening to this now and you're wanting to check out the game, go to the website, potentially even buy some, where can they go to? What can they do? Basically, this is where you can plug your stuff here, Lambrini. Go for it. Plug away. Don't feel bad. <laughs> um, so you can pretty much go onto our website. So if you just Google Weddlemire, you'll find us all on there with all of our other things that we've been doing. Um, and you can also check us out on our social media um, at Weddlemire um, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoy the rest of the Saturday. Um, good to have you in the mix, and it's pr- well done on being 20 years old and starting this first sort of business and enjoying it. And um, and a quick little tip, if you're trying to get into these these big bricks and mortars, navigate through LinkedIn to find who the procurement manager of these things are, and you can actually try and headhunt them down mm. one-to-one. be a lot definitely easier than you know trying to email info at thewarehouse.co.nz or whatever it is, um, which usually gets um, gas to the side. But uh, best of luck for the future. I hope it absolutely charges, and uh, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. Thank you so much. Cheers. Rock and roll. All right. Uh, we're at live today, FM. Enjoying it today. I hope you're having a good one wherever you're at. It is 5.29 here in San Francisco, 12.29 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And coming up after the break, we have uh, Te Reo Time with Karepi McDonald, Business in a Minute, and My Three Cents. I've got some thoughts this week. going to have a chat about it. See you in a sec. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. Whoop day. How sick is it that I can choose any music I want to introduce anything I want when it comes to business stuff? Business in a minute today for Rebet Live episode 307 on Today FM is. Not many people do it, but this is a hack. This is a hack which is going to. Honestly, it's insane. People, Not many people do. Solo Sundays. Every Sunday for about 30 minutes, I put my headphones on with a little moleskin and I schedule in time into my calendar to force myself to be alone, to think about what's coming up in the week, to strategize, to prioritize, look at the top three things. You would be absolutely surprised how many people be so reactionary looking at their calendar and just being going, oh, and this is next, this is next, this is next. They do, they be reactionary to others instead of being proactive to themselves. And one of my biggest frustrations that I have in terms of the inefficiencies that I see with others is they're not being, they're not prioritizing what is actually important for them in, in their future and their business and whatever. So. It could be a Saturday, it could be a Monday, choose a flipping day, solo Sundays works for me, but schedule in an uninterrupted time where you can be by yourself with your headphones on, your little Pinot Noir, whatever you want to be doing, and plan out what you're doing personally, professionally, how are you tracking, what are you doing, if you don't document it, usually shit just doesn't get done, so it is so insane how many people don't do it, and the majority of, 100% of everyone I know who does good things in the world that are smashing it, all do the exact same thing. It's different ways they do it. Maybe they could be, you know, by themselves in a corner, reading a book, whatever it is. Solo Sundays, solo sessions, scheduling time for yourself to be proactive about prioritizing what you want to do in your and your business is so insanely critical and it's mind-blowing that more people don't. So that's my business in a minute. Been more than 60 seconds, but I felt I really need to drill it home today because so many people don't do it. So that's a thing. All right, let's get into it. Rebet Live. All right. Felt like I just had to get that off my chest. I feel like I just had to get it all out of the way, which is which is pretty good. Um, what we're going to get into now is a little section called My Three Cents. Now, what My Three Cents is, is something else that's been, a couple of little things that have been on my mind for the week. Um, and uh, right after that, we're going to have uh, today our time with Karepi, which is cool. So I don't know if any of you have seen what just happened with Mike Tyson recently. <laughs> but if you haven't, if you've been under a rock 
basically 24 hours ago, Mike Tyson got on a plane at about 10.30 at night in San Francisco, where I am right now, to go to this, um, this 420 concert, whatever it was. A belligerent, obnoxious human behind him uh, decided to absolutely just be a moron as they were born the plane, and eventually just gets punched in the face a whole bunch of times, right? So there's waves to this thing. The first wave is obviously, oh my gosh, I can't believe Mike Tyson did it. And then people see actually what happened, whatever. And there's going to be lawsuits and there'll be settlements and there'll be different bits and pieces. The interesting part to it is the actual byproduct of thinking if you're Mike Tyson's camp going, okay, the human was allowed to come onto this plane to abuse me. This, so he's going to try and sue Mike Tyson, but then Mike Tyson's crew are going to probably sue the airline for allowing an obnoxiously intoxicated human to come come behind him. And then there's going to be probably some NDA signed behind the scenes settlements, and it's all going to kind of go away. The 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 bit that I always find, and anytime something pops up in terms of you know social things or celebrities or whatever it is, there's always a story behind the story, and everyone always jumps to the clickbait of oh my gosh, this thing happened and they rush to judgment. They don't think about how this things will play out. And I was just really interested because no one's talking about the, the potential fallout of this thing. Because obviously at the end of the day, you know, you shouldn't punch people in the face, especially if you're arguably the baddest man on the planet. I'm not saying it's justified, but I can understand if an obnoxiously drunk human behind me as I'm trying to sit down and, and mind my business does it. So he'll probably sue Tyson. Tyson's crew will probably sue the airline because that guy shouldn't have been on the plane. But it's always this interesting thing of story behind the story. The second little thing that's been on my mind, my three cents, if you've got thoughts about that, uh, feel free to text me through at 3920. The second little thing that was on my mind this week, I had a very interesting meeting uh, down in, uh, it was at Silicon Valley, there was a startup grind, and basically this thing is 3,000 really smart humans from all over the world get together and they all talk about the future of these bits and pieces. And if you're in New Zealand right now, one of the things I, I really like of being in San Francisco and Silicon Valley is the amount of thinking is always, you know, it's whatever all this money's coming into the people try. 90% of the day involved around three words. Those three words were Web 3.0, Google it, Metaverse, and Crypto. That was it. Like everything else was like, there's a whole, and actually community kind of was this overlatching thing. But a really interesting weave that I found through that when people were talking was this, uh, as the world opens back up, one of the biggest things which people are going to be doing is striving for in-person connection with decision makers. So, you know, you've been locked away, you wanted to try and do some stuff, um, and so many people are now uh, uh, beyond excited to to start traveling, see people, and all the rest of it. So those are kind of three things on for my three cents this week. One, the Mike Tyson thing. Two, the future of Web3, Metaverse, and crypto. Dig into it. It's going to be a new thing. I'm not going to get into it right now, but you can you can do some googling and YouTubing, and and thirdly with the uh, in-person connections, and uh, there was I was listening to an interview with one of the CEOs from the airlines. I think it was like Southwest or something last week, and he was saying, yeah, you know, through COVID, business travel went to zero, but as soon as that person comes back from the sales trip and he wins that big contract because he showed up in person to see the decision maker instead of just trying to do a virtual Zoom call, then you're going to watch everything pop and that's obviously what's starting to happen. So if you've got any thoughts on that, feel free to text at 33920 and I can um, read them out here. And that is us next up, Tadeo Time with Cuddy Pete. so good how years later that track is just such a banger every single time you can't go wrong it's just so good and if you ever watch the youtube video of it the dancer in there is just absolutely all time uh i'm joined today by karepe mcdonald how are you my friend oh awesome how are you my friend uh okay 
So this week we talk. What is this week? Let's we'll get straight into it. I hope your week's been well. I hope your weekend's going good. Uh, what is this week's phrase? Now I thought we'll get right into it. Easy as now in in English we all use sorry. Okay, kate tera. Now sorry to apologise or to give condolences. Now, in Te Reo Māori, the um, phrase that most people use to say sorry is aroha mai. Ka pai, aroha oh, mai. Literal, literal translation is give me love. Ka pai. Now, however, due to it being um, the misconcept of it meaning sorry, people tend to use it mistakenly and unintentionally to give their condolences let's say maybe when a loved one's passed. And you'll see it all the time on Facebook when, you know, some mate happens or someone has passed away. People like to give their condolences and they try to give it in te reo. And te nuing o te wā, most of the time, they will use aroha mai. Now, that's a bit strange because you're pretty much saying, give me, uh, give me love for the loss of your loved one, Okay. So I just want to correct everyone, let everyone know that aroha mai, sorry for apologising for, you know, some something you've done. And if you want to give condolences, the best one to use is aroha atu, kāpai, and that means to give you love away from the speaker. So there we go, ehoa. Um, I, I know maybe mama noi o ngā kupu nei aroha mai and aroha atu, but it just clears that. It gives everyone a bit better understanding that um, when you're giving condolences to whānau pani, you know, grieving families, or, you know, it could be anything from people being sick or whatever, and you want to give your condolences, give them your love and, and um, to afi them, it's aroha atu, koina te mea tika. So I know it's a bit different to other kiwaha and that, but it's one that, you know, people need to start realising the actual meaning and the actual things they're saying. Okay, and everyone listening. So first one is aroha mai for apologising, you know, for, you know, mistakes or whatnot. And to give your condolences is aroha atu. And aroha atu is also you can use for saying I love you or, you know, giving any affection or respect to someone else away from the speaker with that kupu atu after aroha. So koina tāku e hoa, even though iti te kupu e nui te kōrero, these little words have a lot of depth to them and a lot of um, tikanga behind them. And, you know, if people start to realise this, well, you know, Ariel gets to be used correctly. And that's one really important thing, you know, with pronunciation and understanding what you're actually saying, you know, well, it's a good start. It's a, it's a good le- lesson in learning to reo Māori. So koina tāku e hoa and ko te reo te and 
Uh, yes, awesome after I think it was about 40 years old, that song, and um, Nani Ngoi Pwhirangi of the East Coast wrote that for Dalvania's Prime from the West Coast. So it's a, it's a lovely col- a collaboration from two sides of the country, of the North Island anyway. Hoya no koe Any other questions that you may That's need? That's us for the week, man. It's 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 solid. It's oh. good. And I, did, I didn't know that about the music track, and I'm very happy that we get to play it every week because you're right. Good music doesn't yeah. die, and if anything, it gets better. So I really appreciate exactly. time for this week, bro, and I hope you enjoy no, the no, rest. Ten, yeah, we'll catch up uh, next week, everyone. Tēnā tātou. Kia ora, brother. All right, that's three time for this week. If you've got any feedback or suggestions, text me on 3920. Text came through talking about Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is an awesome person. He's been on his own talk show, Hotboxing with Mike Tyson. Lots of interviews. He's really in really good shape. I doubt there would be anyone on the planet over 50 that could take him on. I agree. I would almost, I'd almost say there'd be not many people in general that could still potentially take him on. Uh, coming up after the break, it's Learn, Share, Repeat. This week's guest is Peter Dunn, former leader of United Future. Kiwi doing good things. We'll see what he's been reading. A new sound with two familiar voices. Leah and Mark. 12 till 4pm weekdays. With Trade Depot. Low prices always. Today FM. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. We are rolling. Hope the Saturday is going well. 12.46 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 5.46 here in San Francisco. I may have had an apple juice or two. Hope the day is rolling. Uh, ask Rebet is coming up right after this. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask me about, business, life, relationships, startups, entrepreneurial journey, whatever it is, feel free to text through 3920. I can't prove that it will be the correct information that I'll give you, but I'll definitely give you an opinion. So feel free to ask me through anything you like. 3920, text me through. Learn, share, repeat. This is up next. Now, I've got a little wristband on my wristband. It literally says, learn, share, repeat. And the goal of this is I always have this thinking around, when you get access to great, smart people, what are they learning? Where are they learning it from? And then how can we share that to others? The goal of this is super simple. We are very lucky to be joined today by Peter Dunn, former leader of United Future. Uh, Key political party, join us now. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thanks, Robert. How are you? Hey, okay. I'm, uh, it's, you know, with the joys of technology, I can be sitting here in San Francisco and you can be there in um, Aotearoa, New Zealand, and we can have a a straight live chat. It's, it's, It's great and it's awesome. How's the weekend going? Where are you at and what's bubbling? Uh, I'm I'm in Taupo where it's warm and sunny and um, just having a quiet, relaxing weekend. There you go. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So, learn, share, repeat. It's about this, you know, this concept we talk about with trying to think where are you consuming and what are you doing. So, right now, for Peter Dunn, what are you learning the most from? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What's at the top of the list right now for you, my friend? Well, I, I read a lot of. Um newspapers both in New Zealand and overseas to keep in touch with sort of trends and developments and particularly Europe, the Americas, Australia and New Zealand. But I've got got two books on the go at the moment which are are quite interesting. One's a book called Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have to by uh, Harvard University, Medical University um, uh, PhD, David Sinclair, a really visionary and quite uh, insightful book about the aging process, how how it is a bit of a fiction and how you know, people can live longer and more actively and the implications of that. 
which dovetails quite nicely with the next book I'm reading, which is Paul Spoonley, Professor Paul Spoonley's book uh, called uh, The New Zealand Problem, which is really about how the demographic changes in New Zealand over the last 70 years or so are impacting upon not only our society today, but more particularly the society of the next 30, 40, 50 years and the implications of, of that for policymakers. So the two, the two go quite well together. That is a interesting combo of the lifespan into it. I don't know if you've done much digging into um, Peter Diamantis's uh, from Singularity University's um, headspace around you know living longer and longevity and bits and pieces, but I'm interested on the lifespan book and obviously transitioning to the NZ problem, I'm imagining with everyone leading living longer lives, it's going to create more of a financial potential, you know, cost to the New Zealand taxpayers in the future. In a macro, if it was a tweet, what's the insight? We need to save more money. We need to force more KiwiSaver. Like how how do you? This is obviously be a generational potential issue, which might be maybe for you know our children to sort of deal with. What's the what's the kind of key takeaway from that kind of crossover between lifespan and I then think, think potential weight on that's that? That's the issue. It's 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 not just lifespan in terms of whether we're going to live to be, you know, 120 or whatever, but it's quality of life. Are we going to be physically and intellectually active for most of that time, or are we just going to be sort of hodling on? And if it's the former, that we are going to be physically and intellectually active, then what does that mean about people being in the workforce? Will people be in the workforce longer? If so, implications for younger workers seeking to enter the force workforce the nature of jobs today, then you put on top of that technology and the fact that, that so many traditional jobs will disappear over the next uh, five or six years. Jobs that haven't been invented yet will come onto the onto the stage. So the implications of all of that for modern economies like New Zealand, how you fund healthcare, education, and in the longer term superannuation, when you've got a completely dynamic and changing workforce, <laughs> Excuse me. That, no, no, that's good. It's it's an interesting intersect when if you're talking about you know uh, longevity work overlaid with automation and AI coming on top of it as well. Obviously, people are you know that they, they, there's the, the big fear of um, robots and automation and bits and pieces. Do you think? Do you see it as a decade? And like, where do you see the intersection of potential issues or crossover, or the intersection of all these things sort of really smashing together and directly impacting us? Potentially more so than we I think. I think it's much shorter than a decade. Huh. I think it's much shorter than a decade. I think it's sort of happening now, and in fact, it's been happening over the last two years in response to COVID nineteen. As people have changed work patterns, lifestyles, because they've had to because of the incidents of the pandemic, and I think that that's given us a useful uh, starting point. Really, just you know, these are the sorts of changes we are going to have to consider. Uh, again, the nature of work has changed in that period of time, both both the physical location of work, but also the types of jobs that are available. So I think it's happening all around us now, and the challenge is going to be how quickly we adapt and move, not just as individuals, but as our society, our businesses, and our government uh, adapt their processes also to, to meet these challenges. So if you're, if Peter Dunn was born in 2005, is now 15, 17 years, whatever the number is, I'm not that good at math. If you're in high school right now, where would do you think you would put most of your energy to be more f- future-proof for where you feel society is, is going? Where would you put your energy? I'd want to be learning much more about the implications of all these potential moves for the future of, of our society rather than just sort of theorizing and talking about what might be. I'd want to be understanding what's actually happening, what it's meaning on the ground, what it means for 
you know, how, how things like climate change get factored into that, the gap between the rich and the poor nations, all of those sorts of things, because they're going to be our huge challenges um, in the next few years. It's not just going to be the traditional ones of getting a job, finding some security, settling down. They're still going to be there, but in an environment, I think, that's going to change absolutely markedly. I mean, we don't know, for instance, just to give throw in a, a contemporary um, situation, what the long-term changes consequent upon the war in Ukraine will be. You know, if, 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 if uh, whatever the outcome to that is, there's going to be massive change in Eastern Europe. Now, what implications that has in terms of the supply of goods and services, people-to-people contacts, etc., let alone uh, sort of cultural and political views about uh, forms of government activity, uh, all of those sorts of things. I just think this is a whole... It's, the challenge has always been there, but it's now at a much more rapid rate with so many more moving parts than was the case previously. Now, um, before we go, I was, I was keen to ask you this. You, you've obviously seen the inside of the big political, you know, the cruise ships that move the whole ocean. I guess I come from more of a speedboat, you know, startup hustle sort of world. If you were to wave the magic little Peter Dunn wand for New Zealand politics and you were in power and could shift anything in New Zealand and you could just, at the touch of the hat, do the the thing which you feel needs to be done right now specifically to make New Zealand more resilient for this upcoming future, what would you do? Uh, the immediate thing I'd do if I had a magic wand would be to make educational change so that the capacity of people to understand these ideas and start to respond to them is much more immediate and instant than it is now. These things take time, and the, the problem we face is I don't think we've got that much time because of all of the change bearing down upon us. So that's the immediate thing I'd do, would be to wave the wand to upskill uh, both those in school and in tertiary education at the moment, uh, those coming in, but also those coming out the other end. So everyone could have an informed discussion and debate about what's happening, understand the challenges, and then start to move with them. The problem we always have with change is resistance. That old chestnut resistance. Well, um, this is, you know, it's just kind of take my, took my head into a couple of different random little rabbit holes of, of thought. But um, just before we wrap up, so lifespan was the book, and then NZ problem. Well, those are the two, right? Lifespan and NZ That's problem. Right. Yes, Paul Spoon, Paul Spoonley. Uh, the book is just simply called The New Zealand by Paul Spoonley. Uh, that's available widely in bookstores and online, etc. And the other one is a book called Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To by Dr. David Sinclair. That is a good banter. I've written both those down. Duly noted, my friend. Uh, well, enjoy Topo and enjoy the rest of the weekend. I hope it goes well. And if you get a chance, go try and get one of those hole-in-ones on the water there. Never got managed to even hit the green. <laughs> Always just shanked yeah. it. I felt gutted. Get it in the direction of the green, yes. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Peter Dunn, former uh, United um, Future, uh, blah, 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 blah. former leader of United Future. Sorry, my, my friends. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about that, the, the crossover intersection between uh, living longer, the weights in the economy, and also the future of jobs. If you haven't thought about it, Maybe you should. If he could wave the magic wand, he'd be literally going to try and get uh, make it easier for people to understand those things. Very cool, team. See you in a sec. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It is 12.58 in Aotearoa. 5.58 here in San Francisco. 
Really excited about the next hour, but first up, before we go, uh, before we get into the next hour, Ask Rebet. I'm joined by TT. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. We've got to be nice and quick, but I've got one here. This is from Dev in Auckland, and he's he's pretty simple with what he wants to know. Uh, how does he sell his business? How do you sell your business? That's all the info I've got. Well, that's all right. I, I like that you also were, you still put the producer hat on and said, we've got to be quick. I'm guessing it's because we're about to hit the hour. So, the simplest way to do it if you're looking for a partner to try and figure out is looking at the industry where the sweet spot will be where it's going to and actually trying the way i would think about it is trying to line up where you think uh, what existing bigger players in the market want what you've got you need to be positioning yourself to where the puck is going richie mccaw's documentary he said you know he was never the fastest but he could always figure out where the ball was going to get to and he'd get there before the, the rest of them so being able to position yourself in the market's one thing then obviously you got to have clean pnls and all the rest of it but uh, one of the things and locking in the contracts different bits and pieces and any red flags that would be popping up for others so that is basically how to do it. Find where the puck is going, look at for strategic partners, get clean PLs, and then work with smarter people than yourself to help get it done. That's us. Incoming in the next hour, incoming incoming Reserve Bank Chief Economist Paul Conways, and much, much more. Rebet Live, episode 307, today FM. His goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. I love that every eye I get to start by playing shook ones from Mob Deep. If you're from Aranui Christchurch, if you like hip-hop, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If not, just enjoy the beat and come along for the ride. Uh, hour 2 of Rebet Live, episode 307 on Today FM. Uh, had a good first hour, pretty solid. And the second hour coming up, it's going to be awesome. Really excited. First guest for today, uh, she was the previous trade commissioner for Singapore. And has just joined Microsoft this month as the SAS partner lead. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hayley Horan, how are you? Oh, kia ora, Robert. It's lovely to be talking with you today. Let's go. How is the weekend going? Where are you? What's bubbling? Amazing. Uh, I am in Waihi Beach. I live here. The weather is beautiful. Kids have been fishing. Caught 12 snapper. Good day so far. Oh, you're just winning all around. I, I absolutely love it. So for starters... <laughs> Congrats on the new role, obviously Vanessa and the crew at Microsoft, oh, big you. fan, love all the stuff that's going on, but let's start very simply. What, for those that are listening that want to figure out, I just said, hey, you're a SAS partner lead, they're like, what <laughs> is SAS and what does SAS mean? Give us the 101. Yeah, okay, so SAS stands for Software as a Service, so um, actually my kids ask me the same thing, I mean, it's really cool mum, but what is it? Uh, so think about anything that's got a monthly subscription or, uh, you know, it's like an invisible, invisible technology that you pay for that you can't live without. So um, that's my 101. I, Feel free I to add. No, 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 no. It's, it's good. I, I'm a fan of that. It's one of the interesting things in terms of company valuations for exits and bits and pieces. The second you get into the world of, you know, um, software and subscriptions as service and all these other things, you'll be surprised with how big a company's valuation can get real quick as soon as you go yeah. digital with those yeah. things because they're instantly globally scalable. You can go, I mean, we were fortunate enough, we yeah. had um, uh, Henji Wang from, from Cameon uh, the other uh, the other week. You know, they're at, oh, I think it was like amazing 30. Company. Amazing. So amazing. Millions and millions of uh, people using the product and it's just digital and it's weightless and it's global and it's all in one. So anytime anyone's in this this um, space, it's always very uh, passionate about. Now, one of the reasons I actually wanted to, well, the reason I actually wanted to get you on here is last week I was down, uh, they, they had the um, uh, the big massive in Silicon Valley, a whole bunch of stuff bubbling away there. And what was cool is there was a big 
open expo session and i walked right in and right in the middle there was this big massive branding which said founders hub and i'm like oh okay went up started having a, a look and a listen back by microsoft for, so for those that and, and why i was interested with it was instantly i'm going who new zealanders kiwi founders could use this companies could use this this is something in here so let, let me do it so the second question after what is sas which we've just learned about is what is the founders hub yeah. Oh, firstly, I'm so jealous. Uh, that <laughs> it was I awesome. To go where you went to. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Hey, look, um, put simply, Founders Hub is a Microsoft online platform that helps you get access to all our cool tech stack and it gets you to uh, engage with business leaders and tech uh, experts to test your idea. So if you've got a concept and you think I can bring a little bit of the Microsoft tech stack together and test it out, jump on the Founders Hub. If you've already got an MVP, a minimum viable product, or you've just got a bit of a, you pulled something together and you want to take it to the next level, you can just jump on, sign in, and you will get access to some free credits. So that basically means you get to use our widgets for free for a little while while you test things out. So I think, you know, it really is about helping entrepreneurs, our tech startups, be able to accelerate their ideas right through to actually scaling into a market. So I thought it was pretty cool. I'm only three weeks into the role and I've already had two SaaS companies ring me directly and go, okay, this is cool. This yeah. is changing the game. This lets us get involved with, uh, you know, sign up and no money. There's no excuse not to test it. And, you know, big shout out. I want to take this platform to really call out all those amazing founders we have in New Zealand that are putting them on the line and innovating and risking it all and I just I just think it's really important to say that in this platform <laughs> and here's a little bit of help because you guys are awesome you know you're changing the game for New Zealand one of the cool things it, it's it's kind of it's weird when you come up the journey I'm, I'm in 36 now I've been in the game for a minute when you're the young buck on the come up you can't it's so tough to get access to these things right like yeah. if, if i rewind back you know 2003 i was trying to self-code myself 2006 i'm then trying to figure out you know design and web integration all these other bits and pieces having to hire yeah. servers like everything the, the weight of physical infrastructure that was required to run an online business i need it you almost need a bank loan just to start the fact that in you know you yeah. fast forward you know 15 or so years you've now got like white label blueprint solutions which you can just literally plug and go for any idea and concept you get your tax tech stack there you get your subscriptions and you're off to the races it's become so much easier and so much cheaper and i kind of it's yeah. that thing you get yeah. so frustrated like oh if i was just 20 again i would just <laughs> do it so much faster it's like you go through all these sort of bits and pieces so segwaying into that Haley, what i wanted to ask about is you know i love the fact that with technology especially through covid and stuff something that starts local can be global right i absolutely love the fact that yeah. you know that we've got tech as i think it's like a, maybe our second biggest export right now i'm a huge fan of yeah. and obviously living here in um, silicon valley in san francisco like i see the size and scale and the impact that these companies can have on a global thing when you look at the new zealand ecosystem obviously from your previous roles and stuff when you think about like aotearoa new zealand with what's potentially holding us back from like total world domination awesomeness of kiwi going to the world <laughs> what do you think if you crunch it right down, what do you think that little nugget is that's actually holding back so much awesomeness for everyone? Oh, can I reframe that into what's yeah. the amazing opportunity if we did things a little bit different? Um, I, I think there's a little bit about, there's so much knowledge on the table and we have this wonderful DNA of doing it ourselves. 
And I think that how do you take that and say, actually, partnering's really cool and it's far more scalable. And partnering is not diluting your idea. It's taking your concept and saying, hey, who else is doing something that I can connect into? And I think, you know, you think about all the amazing founders that have exited in New Zealand. They're all there going, hey, we're going to help you. You know, we're, we're here to help. And I think... What is missing in New Zealand is that community, the SAS community. We're everywhere, and I'm really loving the work that's been done with the Kiwi SAS community. So big shout-out to Serge Van Dam, Bruce Jarvis, Bruce Gordon, and all the other amazing people helping bring this to life. We need a place to go to learn, and we need to ask for help. And partnering is cool, and I, that's my message of the day. You know, partnering with an amazing vendor, obviously, such as Microsoft. We've already done the hard work. Here's a toolkit. Inject your idea here. That's okay. Does that make sense? No, no, t- totally. One of the things I feel is a mental handbrake for many of these startups when they're going through this journey is the fear of looking weaker by asking for help or the, the kind of shame of not knowing all the answers and not, and get, but going through so much unnecessary uh, operational pain for the organization to help it yeah. scale up because they simply don't go, yeah. hey, Maybe there's a better solution for this, but they don't. It's that engagement piece, to, and I don't know where it's a thing of like feeling a bit too fucking to talk about it or whatever. But there feels like there's just this energy of um, kind of not wanting to feel like the dumb person for for just asking a question which they don't know. So they don't say anything, they don't do anything, and that's really it. Really gets to me because the amount of like awesome opportunities if they just reached out and talked to someone or connected with or engaged with the community, you'd be really really surprised that the other person you're talking to is probably going through the same thing. I guarantee they are, but, yeah. you know, they can't. So I think yeah. you're right on that community piece, right? Yeah, and I mean, hey, look, some great stories emerging. You just mentioned Camming for one. I mean, that's an incredible company, you know, like there's, there's good news stories. And if you break it down, there'll be partnership stories there and who they asked and where they got help from. Lawview is another really exciting company growing out of here from the Great Bay of Plenty there in Tauranga. You know, they've got great stories of how they're, integrating and partnering and building communities you know like these are companies that are shining through and i think if you look into those cases there'll be more and more and more of that coming through so let's get behind the SAS community work there's a lot of learning um, that we can share and the other part is you know, i think you're right um you know we don't have to have all the answers i love the the new story that's come out the new tech story and it's um, you know, we see tomorrow first and, you know, we have that spirit of the portiki is that the youngest child in the family that's a little bit cheeky and asks those questions. Let's kind of hold on to that, but also kind of know that we're not that good at scale. So mm. let's go and have a look at who's really good at scale and kind of go, hey, it's okay that I don't know how to scale, but I've got this really cool idea. I mean, I was really excited when I was in Singapore because Singapore experts at scale, maybe yeah. not as strong in the innovation. New Zealand super cool at innovating, not so great at scale. How do we bring those partnerships together? So I think it's about knowing what you're not so great at, and to your point, it's it's okay not to be great at that, because actually that's the hard stuff, and someone else has done that hard work, so go find out who's done it, connect Mm. them with them, and go. I've got a, a, a very uh, well-known uh, friend of mine who I, I won't name because this, what I'm about to say is probably a bit shameful, but he said, New Zealand has some of the most amazing creativity, but we're amazingly shit at commercialization of that creativity. <laughs> and it, it's so true. Like you see it and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's, it's something in yeah. there. The, the hard part I would say as well with, within um, Aotearoa is 
when they when it's only you know a few million people and there's only a couple of you know big unicorns that have popped up whether it be you know the vens or the zeros of the world or whatever it may be yeah. there's there's it feels like there's only a handful of humans who've actually had the pop that are even known or relatable or or accessible opposed to you know you go to singapore or, or here in silicon valley or whatever every second person's had flipping exits here and there so there, there becomes this um the and i i feel it's almost like for me the way i see it i think they anyone who's had those pops they need to become those magnets to be able to pull others up and help those connection pieces and what's great yeah. about you know seeing you know the the microsoft of the world and these other sort of businesses is really you know pulling those magnets down to try and pull more up because as soon as those good things pop the scalability in this thing is absolutely yeah. astronomically mind-blowing to the upside commercially yeah. which it could be doing and it's it's infuriating when i see people with these great concepts that just don't reach out and ask someone or look over the thing or actually try and reach out to someone to have those conversations. So, you know, I, I think you're right. So yeah. if you were to wave the magic wand of scaling up New Zealand right now and you're a Kiwi startup, what would you do? Uh, first, I would obviously jump onto Microsoft Founders Hub and I get the free credits. And <laughs> get I your plug it in. Plug it up. Plug it up. Come on. Of course I've got to say that. Hey, look, I would challenge yourself right now to say, company from day one think mm. that way from day one what are you going to do differently how are you going to think differently even at your ideation stage so think with the billionaire mindset and that's a linda jenkinson favorite but i think she's absolutely right you know that's one two is you know look for the problem before you build the solution you know how big is the problem find a big problem you find a profit and i think be ruthless with your product market fit you only have product market fit when somebody wants to buy it. So don't continue to commit to it if you haven't got someone who wants to buy it. And mm. I, um, I hope I didn't offend anyone saying that. But it's like getting more deliberate with what is a business, what is product market fit. You know, how are you going to go global um, and, and start? I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't actually want one, by the way, but it does challenge your thinking. And yeah. get out in the world. I mean, you're a prime example. I love what you're doing. You know, bringing the goodness from San Francisco back to NZ. You know, um, don't just stick to talking to Kiwis. I love Kiwis. We all do. But get out in the world, even if it's just with a Zoom call, LinkedIn, reach out. You know, see what's going on, be it virtually or in real life. Um, you know, the good stuff's happening out there and here. Let's connect the two. Absolutely love it. Really appreciate you joining the, the show, Haley. Enjoy the rest of the, um, enjoy the fish and the whanau and all the good yeah. times. And I'll, I'll, I'll see you when I'm back in Aotearoa. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining in and congrats oh, on the new role. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Rock and roll. Haley Horan, uh, the SaaS partner lead at Microsoft. Uh, thinking about Kiwi, Kiwi Tech for the future. Very cool. Rebecca Live episode 307 today, Fan. Giddy up. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live on Today FM. Money, money, money. Must be funny. All right, money, money, money. Time to talk about money. And today is definitely time to talk about money. We are very fortunate to have the incoming uh, Chief Economist for the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. It is Mr. Paul Conway. How are you, brother? G'day, Rebet. I am I'm excellent, thanks. Great day. Awesome. E each week that's getting closer to the new um, to the new role that's kicking off in about a week or so for you, it, you're getting more excited, more energy, you're, you're clearly rearing to go. How are you feeling about to step into the, into the big boots? 
Oh, I'm amping. I'm amping. Like, I'm on holiday at the moment. So, you know, I'm having a nice family holiday up in Titai Tokoro. But, you know, I am amping to get into that Reserve Bank building. There's so much work that we need to do, both in terms of controlling inflation and just talking about the economy, getting some conversations going. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Speaking of conversations, it's not just the smart, you know, secret little Illuminati rooms of all the crazy big big word stuff. It's, you know, dumbing it down for the reg- us, regular folk that don't understand all these big things like last week we were talking about the OCR we did re- we were learning how that affects interest rates to try and put a handbrake on inflation all these different things so many Kiwis don't even know what those things mean so I think one of the things I was keen to get into today about was the fear of Kiwis that they don't talk about money like growing up we never really talked about money we just knew we'd didn't really have much of it. But why do you think it is at the top of the food chain with most Kiwis, the average Kiwis don't engage in conversations about money, they don't want to mess with it. What is going on? Why are Kiwis scared about to talk about money? Yeah, like I think we've got a weird attitude to money, you know, the kind of the filthy lucre, the, the root of all evil, all, all that sort of stuff is how we think about money, or at least a bit. But, you know, it's it's a basic part of life's infrastructure. It's kind of our I don't know, financial plumbing, really. So we need to be totally comfortable talking about it. Um, you know, Rebecca, I think I think when I think about why Kiwis don't talk about it so much, and, you know, I'm just sort of kicking this around, I think I sort of think there's two reasons. Uh, and, and on the one hand, you know, I think it's quite possible that uh, it could be related to the tall poppy thing that you, um, you know, quite rightly take aim at. Uh, and that people who have got a bit of money, they sort of don't want to talk about it because, you know, others might sort of chop them down, uh, I guess. And then on the other hand, at the other end of the sort of income or, or wealth distribution, you know, my sense is that there's a bit of shame uh, around the topic of money, uh, you know, for Kiwis that uh, don't have as much as they ideally would. And, you know, I, I, I think the reason for that is, you know, we live in an economy that doesn't deliver as well as it should for lots of Kiwis. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of work long hours compared to the rest of the OECD and our incomes are, are below the OECD average. So there is heaps of financial deprivation uh, in Aotearoa, um, unfortunately. So just, you know, having enough cash to pay the bills, um, you know, not getting caught out by unexpected uh, expenses, even just having a thousand bucks in the bank as a backstop for, for stuff that can happen. You know, it's, it's kind of rare uh, mm. here in New Zealand. So, you know, I think yeah, we live in a place, it's a tough gig uh, here in, in Aotearoa because our economy doesn't operate at, at its potential. So, you know, I think mm. I think those are kind of a couple of reasons perhaps why the money topic is, is a, bit, a bit taboo around the place. Well, I think to that point when it's not operating at what it could, you know, I always think about external execution comes from the um, education which needs to get done, which comes first to the awareness of it. And then if there's fear around the awareness or because they don't understand it, it becomes, you know, fuckama or whatever to talk about. It. So they sort of handbrake those conversations and they don't want to dig into it and they don't want to kind of feel like the, I mean, I, I was 100% for so long of just, dude, what was that word? Oh, dude, I don't know what they're, what they're talking about, blah, blah. And what I've found is, there's different types of conversations for the fear of it, right? Because now I'm obviously very fortunate enough 
to be around a lot lot smarter people and it's so open and freely talked about with how they're structuring things and the way they think about opportunities and all the stuff and you just kind of absorb it all in but there's this real fear of and i think you you touched on the point before there paul it's this idea of kind of shame of because you don't fully understand it you don't want to ask to sound like the dick that you don't know you don't know it but the reality is when so many people don't know it they're never the, the economy is never going to shift forward and get into you know third fourth and fifth gear which is what we need probably more so than ever so it's kind of thinking about you know how do you think we bring more of that conversation in the open like what what are your what are your thoughts when you think about at a macro of new zealand because to to, to crank it up especially we where you we both probably both believe it can go to in terms of potential what do you think yeah. those steps are well i think you know many things come down to education i reckon knowledge is the key to this so you know how can we have a net like you know when i go to the reserve bank i totally want to uh i don't know lift the quality of the conversation around how the economy works and part of that is 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 the money stuff so you know i want to sort of make it a bit easier for people to have those conversations you know i I think uh you know start with your people sort of within families uh, you know, from a very early age with us, I've been talking to, you know, our kids about, about you know, insurance and tax and getting them to, you know, register the car online so that that stuff is all no big deal. Uh, you know, and in saying that, Rebecca, I should say, you know, I'm a middle-aged Pakiha male and I've had a stellar <laughs> run in terms of education and career and I, you know, make plenty of money. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt plenty of white privilege that's contributed to all of that. So, you know, it's an easy conversation around our dinner table. There's sort of a lightness to it. And I know that, unfortunately, that's not the case for many uh, here in our country. Um, but I still think, you know, it's valid to say that we need to somehow normalise uh, this money conversation. And I think it just starts mm. with people kicking it around uh, in the family. I should also say, you know, there's resources out there to help with this. Um, so financial literacy or a lack of financial literacy is a known problem. Um, so, you know, but the whole thing needs to be energized. It's one thing to kind of have mm. a website and so you can look it up there. Um, but, you know, I really like the idea of a social movement uh, around around something like this to really just give it that energy. Well, I think there's, a, there's like almost a creative ninja move in the middle because if the energy is focused around fear of not being educated to understand what's happening to go into this idea of fun of engagement you know so how do you go from kind of the exclusion of conversation into the engagement piece and you know i i even i don't know i mean one of the things my first experience of actually learning money was playing monopoly <laughs> and i understand i start to realize what rent was so i'm almost just trying to gamify it to the point of you know how would you potentially bring monopoly into the 21st century how do you i think there's there's some there's a there's a hook in there between fear to fun and I, i'm not i mean it's at least a starting point to think around because you know your idea of if you're talking about paul to lift the conversation up it's almost simultaneous about it cool how do we lift the conversation up simultaneously how do we bring the conversation down where more then start to talk about it to get awareness to get educated to potentially do it you know it, it feels like it's such a massive opportunity especially out of COVID that we need to crank into in this next little bit oh absolutely I, I agree completely with all of that like I you know I know it's a bit of a cliche to sort of say build back better and pivot off COVID but you know if not now <laughs> then when this is mm. the best opportunity we've had uh in at least a generation to sort of rebuild uh our economy um you know on on, on the upside I think you know I, and I think we're doing it I think those changes are happening you know my um 13 year old son who's year nine at, at uh 
at Wellington High is, you know, doing something called finance, which sounds like they're going to be talking about money, you know, which is great. And just, uh, you know, there's nothing dirty or shameful about it. Um, you know, I also think in our society, there's sort of a sense that if I've got money, then I've, I've sort of taken it from somebody else. The idea that it's sort of a zero-sum game, um, which isn't, it isn't, that's not true. You know, if the economy is operating where it can and it is serving the people, uh, you know, there's more for everybody. The pie gets bigger and, and obviously that has to be done in a, a sustainable way but it also has to be inclusive just to normalize uh, all of this stuff heaps of heaps of mahi in front of us but i think we are getting started on it which is which is great in terms of like you know if you look at the that's obviously the personal side on businesses too about you know people a, a lot of kiwis are happy you know just let's just take along and do this thing blah, blah blah the way i kind of think of it is going look if the business gets better you've got more money to put into research and expansion and hire more people and hire more of the family and whatever it is you want to do. It, it's not, it's, um, you know, this, this taboo thing of, of profit being evil and, and bad. The reality is I think of it as more opportunity for others. You know, the more ammo you've got in the tank, the more people you can hire, the bigger it can get, the more people you can help, the more families you can support, the, you know, the, the, the more, 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 not just for yourself, but potentially for others too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just more comfort, more material mm. well-being around the place you know that that's when a business is really in the zone and is really focused on sort of long-run value creation you know what can we be doing today to sort of increase abundance 10 years a generation uh down the track and you know and again i think we're moving in the direction of at least having that conversation uh, it's not i don't sort of you know buy into that as much when it's a business that's sort of focused on squeezing every last dollar out of their customer on a quarterly basis uh, you know, then I think there is an element of, you know, I'm going to take what's yours and, and make it's mine. But, but you know, again, I think we're moving away. And I think those businesses, you know, customers will, will walk away. We, we got choices. We're, we're very sensitive uh, to, the, to these types of things. So, the, you know, the, the conscious consumer, uh, we want to support businesses that operate in the way that you just described, Rebecca. Absolutely. Yep. And I think to that point there as well, probably to finish off, is, you know, the the corporates on the, you know, that are publicly listed playing the quarterly stock market game is, you know, it's chess, not checkers. They're playing the short transactional moves. And you you, you, you listen to some of the, you know, the Berkshire Hathaway stomach stubbing out with, um, with Buffett talking about, you know, I want to be able to invest in a business and not even see it for five years, but I know it's going to be good because I'm not watching dailies. I'm going to the fundamentals of it to help and grow. So I think there's also that mentality, which is cool to see it switching more from, you know, businesses that are playing checkers for the short term to playing chess for the long. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we, we've got so many issues with, that we need to confront and deal with currently. It is absolutely chess uh, getting us from where we sit today to uh, a, a you know, sustainable, inclusive uh, economy of, of the future. But it's cool, well, the exciting time to be heading off to be the Reserve uh, Bank's chief economist. There you go. I can't wait for your new business cards. You're going to be fling that thing around the soul bar before you know it mate I'm, I'm super excited for you just <laughs> with your fancy pocket square I'm, I, I bet in the first week they're going to get you some like fancy watch they got to give you something for the, I expect the red carpet rollout I expect balloons fireworks and all sorts of crackers and then each week we're fortunate enough we'll be able to document the journey of how crazy and chaotic it is actually trying to shift the needle on such an awesome pie that, of a thing that is New Zealand and Aotearoa which we love so much so I really appreciate your time and join us mate one more week to go you must be hyped Pleasure always, Rebecca. Cheers, mate. Sure, buddy. That was Paul Conway, incoming Reserve Bank. Oh, 
Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. Starting, he's about to start a new job team. We're going to be checking in. We'll be giving him, we'll grade his card every single week. Uh, very excited. Stoked to have him in the show. See you all in a sec. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Kia ora everybody, we are back in the mix and we are talking tall poppy profile. Uh, using this time to highlight a Kiwi doing some pretty great stuff and through the power of technology, we live in a pretty global world. Uh, I'm in San Francisco, which is five hours ahead of uh, New Zealand. New Zealand is, and the guest I have on the line is eight, nine hours ahead of me in a very pretty dangerous part of the world that's going on right now. I'm talking to um, Larissa who is right in the heart of Spain. She's a Kiwi, but she's been helping a whole bunch of Ukrainian families that have been out in the mix and with all the carnage that's going on with Russia. So we've been lucky enough to get on the phone. So I believe it's even later than where you are. So I really appreciate you the time jumping on. Welcome to the show, Larissa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Larissa Fleming, you're over in Spain. I got this message and it said, when Russia first attacked Ukraine, I, like so many, found myself scrolling through the news in disbelief and compelled um, to help how we could. Within 24 hours of listing our spare rooms, I was getting messages after message. Ukrainian families were fleeing. And long story short, you've helped 16 people, if not more. So how did this happen and what is going on? It sounds absolutely nuts and props to you for doing what you're doing. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's one of those things. Like we, we kind of got this big house thinking we we're going to have loads of family come visit. Um, obviously COVID derailed that. Um, so it just, it kind of seemed a no brainer, you know, the, the footage coming out was, you know, just busloads of people trying to get out. Um, so we, we wanted to, to open our, our home and give them a safe place. Um, it, it, it just seems like the right thing to do. Um, I just wasn't probably expecting it to go on for so long. Like no one, we, we thought this, this war would have been, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, wrapped up a lot, lot quicker. And sadly, um, it's it's going to cost you know thousands of lives. Um, so we've we've kind of been um, like a transition house. Uh, so people come in, you know, kind of catch their breath. Uh, the, the the first lot that got down here, they drove, you know, thirty eight hours. They just you know got in a car and and got out. Um, and generally people coming down to Spain have got some acquaintance, you know, there'll be some other relative or, um, you know, someone they know further south and it just appeals to get somewhere as far away as they can um, and, and also a, a warmer climate. Um, you know, some of the families were crossing the border at minus 11 um, degrees, so uh, pretty, pretty uh, crazy conditions to be, to be getting out on. So I'm looking here on a map I've, I've pulled up and it's literally saying you've got to go through like five or so countries to get to, to, get to you. For those that aren't aware, just how long is this mission of a drive for people that are, are fleeing? Because by my accounts here with the latest on Google Map, it's saying 39 hours straight and you're going through like five or so different countries. What's logistically, how chaotic is this? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> um, chaos is definitely the right word. I think what people probably don't um, comprehend back home is, 
you know, Europe is a, 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 a connected landmass, um, but it does have, you know, border patrols in, in place and certainly, you know, exiting Ukraine, um, there's also the restrictions on, on males leaving um, under martial law. So it's a case of um, they, they do have to go into these queues, um, you know, waiting in line. And then, you know, depending how they're getting out, um, you know, unfortunately the people that are leaving now are the ones that, you know, didn't have their own vehicles that have been waiting for weeks through, you know, public transport and, and NGO organisations um, getting them, you know, rescue vehicles. So, I mean, the, the first step is kind of making the decision when and how to even leave your home. You know, some of these people are, are, are pretty um, vulnerable and remote. And then once you get across um, some of the land borders, you're, you're then into a refugee camp um, and, and places like Poland have just been overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, the, the Red Cross and people there are doing an amazing job. Um, but ultimately, you know, those people then need to go somewhere else. There's, there's not enough space. There's not enough beds, um, you know, converted gyms and, and churches. Um, they can only hold, you know, so many people, but, but also, you know, sitting and, and, and literally just waiting for weeks on end um, for, for a visa opportunity or, you know, somewhere to go um, is, is pretty pretty tough on, on the mental health. So, um, yeah, we, we kind of had have different experiences. Um, we've had people come through NGOs and, and kind of have their transport arranged. Others have leaned on friends and, you know, ended up in Munich and then got a flight um, you know, uh, one one person they they actually were uh, in in Russia, so the Ukrainian, but they were in Russia when it broke out, and they went through Turkey into Georgia, then into Bulgaria. Um, so if you want to talk about the long way around, um, their journey was was crazy um, to to get out. So you're a Kiwi living in Spain. Russia attacks Ukraine. Ukrainians are driving. 39 40 hours they get into you what's the headspace like from everyone when they're coming out is it just like how how are their how's the morale how's the headspace what's the initial sort of feedback has it been kind of similar through all of it or is it just really wide and variety and you kind of just there with your arms out just happy to help and support yeah yeah i mean it's everyone's got a different story um we've had you know the youngest we had we had a seven-year-old boy stay with us um, we've had a 60, 68 year old grandparent, um, you know, so they've either, you know, not got a parent in the, in the picture, you know, dad has to stay behind. Um, you've got, you know, husband's missing. You've got, yeah, a whole mix. And I think um, the, the, I guess the, the key attribute I've come across is just how humble they are. Um, you know, they are just so grateful for a, a warm bed and a safe, a safe house. They, they don't want to um, yeah, take, you know, you really have to force them um, to, to check in on them, right? So we we live in a kind of split-leveled house. So um, basically the arrangement is it's kind of three bedrooms downstairs um, and, 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 you know, we want to give them that, that private space. But it does break my heart that I kind of have to, you know, keep asking them, you know, do you have enough food? Like we're going to the supermarket. Do you want to come with us? Um, you know, and I, I remember the grandmother, um, I was asking her one day, um, you know, Lydia, I said, well, what are you going to have for lunch today? And she said, oh, we, we've got sandwiches. I said, okay, so what are you going to have on the sandwich? 
and and she pulled out like a slither a slither of of ham and said oh we can share this and, and bearing in mind that was four of them and i was like looking at this like single piece of ham i just cried i was just like this is ridiculous like we can help you <laughs> like um they're, they're just so humble and, and they are um just yeah really grateful you know for for all the support um across europe that, that people are, are opening their homes for them well it's pretty incredible just the amount of you know you know, love and aroha, you're opening up to all these people who you don't even know to, to have your house for it, you know. And, you know, when I was reading your message, you were saying you wanted to potentially open up a bit of a charity group at the back of it, like Hope for You here in, um, in Costa Blanca. So t- tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So that's all registered. That's underway. Um, so officially, we've got 84 people now, um, Ukrainian refugees, um, kind of registered with us and what and what that does is is kind of we now um work with the other charities so we've we've got kind of different um partners bringing in um food bringing in clothing donations um you know our big push last week was getting bicycles trying to make people a bit more independent um at the moment we're relying on a number of volunteers transporting them around um, and ultimately working with our, our Spanish ayuntamiento, so the, the town halls, because, um, you know, we, we have come out of COVID, you know, two years of, of, of hardship with the Spanish, um, you know, particularly where I am in Costa Blanca, is, is hit by tourism. You know, we, we have had two years of closed restaurants and, and, and low um, tourist numbers, obviously. So having to work with the, the town halls to really you know, make sure that we can support these people in the wrong, like long run. Um, because it's one thing to say, yeah, come and stay with me. You know, I've got a spare bed. Um, but we really, you know, do want to help them learn English and Spanish. Um, and, you know, eventually they'll become self-sufficient if we can get them, you know, the right education and, and get the, you know, some of these, these people are amazing you know, skilled professional, um, the, 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 everything from a pharmacist, electrician, um, you know, developer, um, they've, they've got so much to offer. Um, so we're just trying to help a, a bit with, with the language side of things um, and, and obviously, you know, seek out opportunities for them. Absolutely awesome. So um, before I let you go, if someone wants to support you, they listen to the story, Larissa, with what you're doing, helping all these Ukrainian families, where can they go to, what can they do? Yeah, cool. So we've got a Give a Little page set up in New Zealand now. Um, so I'll, I'll ping you the link there. So we've got a, a charity, Hope for You, um, and, and obviously you can find us on, on Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, and as of yesterday, I've now got on LinkedIn as well. So Hope for You in Spain uh, and Larissa Fleming um, can, can follow me there. Epic. Really appreciate your time. Congratulations. Yeah, well-deserved tall poppy profile for the day, doing great things, helping other humans all around the world. And through the powers of technology, it's pretty cool that we've been able to you know, navigate three different time zones to make this happen. So appreciate your time. Thanks for all you're doing. And best of luck for the, this next journey. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on. There we have it. Such an epic and amazing chat. Good human do good things. Up next, banter with Bruce, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Rebecca Live episode 307, Today FM. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebecca Live. I absolutely love I Can Choose Music to play and just get you in the vibe for the, for the Saturday. Get you in the vibe. It is... 
147 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 647 here in San Francisco. And I'm joined by Mr. Bruce Pilbrough, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Good friend. He's been married for over 30 years. He knows so much. How are you, brother? Kia ora, bro. How are you doing? You all right? I am rolling, my friend. Let me guess. You're out on, the, on your yacht, just cruising <laughs> the harbour, just living, living that dream. Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, I wish. I'm pulling down gutters on my son's house and redoing the barge board. Oh, it's a manual labour man. That, that must be different for a CEO. How, how are the fingertips? Are you surviving? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm wearing gloves. You know, I, I've oh. got a bit soft in the old AJ, but um, no, it's, it's cool, man. It's good to do up at old house and play with it, eh? It's very cool. So, um, you know, each week you share some nuggets of wisdom for us, well, more me particularly <laughs> selfishly, and then also by, by default it goes to the rest of the amazing listeners on Today FM. So uh, this week, Mr. Pilbro, what's been bubbling away in, in your headspace? What's, where's the thoughts been going and what's on your mind? Yeah, I'd love to get your opinion on this too, bro. So um, I don't know about, I just for the last week, maybe two weeks actually, I've just felt a real, personally I've just felt a real brain fatigue. Like I found that I, I, I sort of can't hang on ideas for too long. If I start to read something that's too heavy, I, I sort of switch off and just really hard to concentrate. And I've sort of been thinking about it, and a couple of things have changed over the last couple of weeks. Number one, we're back in the office, right? So we're sort of back to, I guess, what people are calling a new normal. But I don't know what that means. Like, what does a new normal mean? And is the word normal even relevant? And... Um, because work feels quite different. And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, we, we were getting so much momentum and things and they had this big sort of seven-month pause. And I don't know, as a, as a CEO, as a thinker, as a creative, I'm just struggling to get through that sort of brain fog. And, you know, I haven't even had COVID. So <laughs> so I'm just wondering, is, is it a kind of a normal thing? You know, and what does new normal actually mean? You know? Interesting wording. Because mm. as we went through COVID, there was the, it's time to reset and reimagine and reinvigorate yeah. and reinvent. And there was all this re-shit, right? The frustrating yeah. thing for me was I was going, what does that actually mean? And when I was interviewing um, Rob Fife, obviously XE of uh, in New Zealand, he was talking about, you know, I was thinking this idea of, you know, before COVID and after COVID, like BC, AC, like after COVID. And yeah. he said, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. The bit that everyone's not getting is this bit during COVID because we don't know what that's yeah. going to look like. And now this, you know, at, yeah. at the, in the States, they just dropped one of the mass, mask mandates. And I think it's this reweaving of how things have been done temporarily for the last couple of years in yeah. terms of, all day Zoom meetings to this and that. And l last week I had a um, a big day. I had some uh, you know some judging for the high tech awards. And long story short, I had eleven hours of Zoom calls in one day. And it took me wow. three days to mentally yeah. catch up. And then physically, I was moving as well. And so I, I think maybe the, the the bit there is going. How does it's almost recalibration of like mental and physical logistics, right? And then what does that look like? It is. Huh. Yeah, and, and we've used this word all the way through COVID, like pivot, pivot this, pivot that. And you're right, as a business, we've had to pivot. Whether they're pivots that, will, that stay forever or whether they're just kind of hustling our way around it just to survive, um, it's probably a bit of both, to be fair. But I've just, I guess what I've concluded the last couple of weeks is that this constant movement to pivot is actually really exhausting. And and then, and then the language that everyone's using, even our government's using it, kind of get back to our new normal. But... I don't know what that is. And in fact, do you want some of the normal stuff coming back? Give you a case in point. Case in point is, 
the new the normal for a lot of businesses pre-COVID was you're in the office at eight thirty, you leave at five, and I don't care who you are, most businesses did that. Well, they certainly made you feel that way. And the new part of that these days is actually my trust with my team is so much more because actually they've smashed it from home, they've smashed it from where they've had to work from. And so if I went back to the normal of, hey, I want you in the office at nine and out at five, um, that's not really, you know, that that's kind of going backwards massively, right? So what is the well, new normal? Is a new, yes, yeah, so, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that becomes almost like unspoken tension of potential mistrust to the team who had already proven they could execute, but now coming over the yeah. top is, is changing the power dynamic because it's shifting where you're wanting them priorities to be, right? Right. So the project and the quality huh. of the work and, and, and the creativity about what we create actually becomes the leading thought rather than actually micromanaging our staff. So I quite like the word new normal, but I wonder whether normal is a bit restrictive. It's kind of like actually we've you know sometimes when you have a crisis in your personal life or you have a crisis sometimes the best thing that comes out of that crisis is you think about stuff completely differently right and and actually whilst the crisis at the time is really really difficult you can often find people two three four years later say you know what it was the toughest time in my life but god i was thankful for that because now i'm not that person i'm this person or i don't think this way i think that way and I kind of wonder whether when we say new normal, it almost feels restrictive and actually go, actually, if you're going to rethink how you did business based on what you've learned and suffered through over the last two years, you know, it might be completely different to what you think it should be, you know? And that causes some of the fatigue, to be fair, Robert. Robert. Mm. Um, but I'm, I, I guess... Yeah, I just haven't figured it out. And I, I personally, as I see, I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with kind of how do I find my flow? What yeah. does my new flow look like um, in this space? And it's yeah, it's a good – and I'm sure I'm not there having that challenge. Well, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I'm it's this navigation of, of energy but also like constant adaptability to this new, new. And I think maybe the, the alignment of going, oh, it's new normal, it's this one thing, but if it's constantly pivoting and changing, it almost becomes, you run the risk of, we're saying it's this one thing of new normal, but if it's like, you know, a dog that sees a squirrel, it's like squirrel, 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 change, 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 change. Yeah, right. Like that is, that sort of operational tactics is obviously a lot different than here's our strategic five-year plan and we're on track for this and then it becomes like that's this it. machine that's rolling. But it, maybe Correct. a way to think about it, would it be almost like, the, the big cruise ships of corporate have, have now had to operate like speedboats and A, they don't like it, B, they potentially don't have the mental fortitude for the constant amount of changing as if a startup and maybe they might have a bit more empathy for smaller companies in the startup phase to realise what it's like to change tactic every three seconds just to survive, right? <laughs> right. And I and I guess I guess the other thing too, what I would say is, you know, how do you be kind to yourself? So, if, yeah. if I was working for a CEO or a manager or a general manager, maybe looking up and realizing, actually, they're probably struggling to figure this stuff out as well, and it's okay, and, and obviously vice versa. But I just think it's going to take time post, you know, you dropped your mask mandate and stuff like that, but I think it's going to take time for us to actually figure out kind of what your flow is now, you know? I heard a lot of people yeah. say last week, hey, if Jacinda's traveling, we can travel. And I, I guess that is true in some sense. There's a sense of, oh, we can get back to what we know. Um, and there's something liberating about that. But a lot of us still feel quite fatigued and still in it, I suppose. Um, and I just, you know, I'm trying to think of ways, how do, how, does, how do leaders encourage each other and lean on each other just to work our way through this together rather than trying to do it alone? 
Um, one of the mm. crazy thoughts I've had, bro, if you've got a minute, one of the crazy thoughts I've had is um, the spirit of adventure, I've got hold of the ship for three days. And I thought, what would it look like if I just got a whole bunch of leaders on that ship, no agenda other than you're going to sail that ship, you're going to live You're going to live in the bunk, you're going to scrub the decks, you're going to pull the ropes, you're going to climb the rigging, you're going to do it completely out of, your, out of your comfort zone and completely out of your normal. Is it something like that that you need just to break, break it to kind of, to bring you to a point where you can just completely rethink it and potentially do something so different that it actually helps with the fatigue. You know, that's that's the sort of thing we're thinking about, just being creative in that space. I might be texting you later. I've got an idea. <laughs> um, I appreciate yeah, it. And I think props as well to you for, as a leader of an organisation, actually saying that that's what you're going through because I can guarantee there's many, 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 many other yeah. leaders who are thinking of the exact same thing. So props and kudos once again. Hi to wifey and all the whānau. Enjoy the rest of um, the fixing up of, of the of the sun's pad and I'll be talking to you soon. <laughs> Araha nui, man. Kākite. brother. There we have it, the bro, uh, Bruce, Bruce Pilbara, CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Coming up after the bake, wrapping up, seeing what's going to be popping with Spork with Mark Paird. This is Today FM, Rebecca Hollis and Rebecca Live 307. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebecca Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. Oh, so cool. Coming to the end of the show, absolutely awesome day. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh... I always enjoy these chats. I'm enjoying learning from good people. Had a text come through. I just had to text to comment on how great the radio show is. I'm getting the convo with Bruce. Uh, you're interviewing now, wondering how to get to my new flow. What is my new normal since everything is smashed up for two years? I'm exhausted and fatigued also. Kia kaha, bro. Kia kaha to you too, my friend. Up next, we've got Mark Peard coming in to talk sport. How are you, bro? I'm well, good sir. I am well. Oh. And I'm excited. We're going to be talking to Nathan Corbett, who is the NRL random stats guy. All the stats you didn't even know, you needed to know before making any bets this weekend. That is good. And NBA Finals been following it, liking it? I am. I'm liking it. Come on, Phoenix. Playoffs. Get one away from home without Devin Booker. Come on, Phoenix. You can do it. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for the show. Big up to TT. TT, it's been real, my friend. I hope it's been all rolling for you guys. Wherever you're at, guys and girls, all over Aotearoa. Good times, good vibes. I'm liking this radio thing. Appreciate you for your attention. Appreciate you for your time. Be good. Be great. Do good stuff. And I'll see you all soon. We'll be at live episode 307 today, FM. Giddy up.